Luke chapter 15 verse 11 to 32. And he said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, "Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me." And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the out to one of the out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods of that pods that the pig ate, pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, 'Father, I have sinned against, sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants.' And he arose and gave, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his his father saw him, and felt compassion." and ran and embraced him and kissed him and the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his servants bring quickly the be- the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate Now his oldest son was in the field and he as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to them your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look These many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends but when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fattened calf of him and he said to him son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it is fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive and and his life he was lost and is found Let's just pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you just uh, give us the pri- privilege to just come into your presence. Uh, we're so grateful of how you just remind us that up till now, from the beginning of this time that we spend time with you in worship, that it is about your love, and it is your love that unites us, Lord. And we're so grateful that it is because of your love that we can see all of us seated here, and it just gathers us together. And we're so grateful for that, Lord. Uh, as we read from this passage, I pray that as uh a chalshan speaks from your word i pray that you will speak to us lord and you will keep reminding us of your love and i pray that this week ahead that we will keep this with us lord and i pray that you will keep helping us remind ourselves of what you have done for us on the cross lord keep us safe lord help us to uh, understand what you have for us in store and i pray that you will uh, bless this time as well in his most precious name we pray amen
Thank you, Joel. How many of us know this story? Anybody does not know this story? So I was, uh, while I was uh, preparing for this, I was actually wondering whether uh, such a message is really needed uh, within the church. Um, and I did think about it for some time. I did pray about it. But I still felt maybe we should. We should speak about it. Yeah, so that's how, um, that's how uh, finally uh, thought uh, I, will, I will share from this particular passage. Now, uh, now, one of the things that uh, we need to really look into this portion is it's a very, very familiar story, right? It is, it is very familiar. It is, it is something which even all the kids would be aware of. Uh, but however, uh, it's only in the recent past that it really uh, went into the story in a bit of depth and really understood what the story is trying to say. Okay? Now, what you need to keep in mind is you need to keep in mind a typical Middle Eastern kind of a setup. Right? You just uh, keep that Middle Eastern culture in the back of your minds. Uh, and uh, we will come into that. Uh, but before that, when this chapter starts, uh, that is uh, chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Okay? Tax collectors and sinners. So we're just trying to see what the context is. Verse 2. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble. So there are two kinds of people who are there. Tax collectors and sinners, whom we can call sinners, in the society then, they were the most uh, hated of the Lord because the tax collectors would extort, they would take money which is not uh, genuinely theirs, and people were kind of, um, people had all kinds of hatred towards them. So we had the tax collectors, who we will call as the sinners. On the other side, who did we have? Who do we have? We have the Pharisees and the scribes. Who were these guys? These were the people who taught the law, who interpreted the law, who kind of made life difficult for people. But you couldn't really fault a Pharisee for not keeping the law. He would always, in front of the law, he would always be as perfect as he can, right? So, so, so you can blame them for the attitude, you can blame them for a lot of things, but before the eyes of the law and before the people, they were respected. So you can kind of call this group as the saints. Or, 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 you know, before the law, they were saints. So you have the sinners and you have the saints. You have two kinds of people who are there when Jesus is, uh, is, uh, is, is starting his discourse. We, after this, uh, there are two stories before the story of the prodigal son. We'll come to that a little later. Now, look at this Middle Eastern household, right? In the Middle Eastern culture, it's a very patriarchal society. So the man of the house, the patriarch, the head of the home, commands a whole lot of respect, right? His authority is very rarely undermined. And what he says is often the final word, right? He leads the home, right? And whether he, he is a respectful man or not, he still had the respect in his home. And, and, and very rarely is he questioned by his family, or by anybody else. Now, it is in such a house that the younger son walks up to his dad and says, you know, um, give me a part of your estate. Give me a part of the money. And I need to, and I'm going my way. Now, if you look at it, this is really a slap on the face for the father. Because in the society then, a son would never ask his father for something like this. It's in a way telling his dad that, you know, you're not dying. You're an old man. You're not, just not dying. Just give me my share and let me walk off. That's how res- 
un- that's how disrespectful this boy was and by doing this this boy would have bought brought tremendous shame upon his dad imagine what the neighbors would say imagine what the society would say the boy in that home he just walked off with his dad's cash so it brings a lot of disgrace to the family but uh, we don't read too much about that but i'm sure his dad after failing to convince this boy and with a very heavy heart he would have actually parted with his property and then this boy goes right he's very happy man he goes he blows up all the cash he becomes a spendthrift and he spends and and, and here it says that he spent his money on loose living in a distant land whatever that loose living could be but in towards the end of the chapter when his older brother starts accusing him his older brother says that he actually blew up a lot of his cash on prostitutes in the brothels this is where he was uh, spending all his cash so so he he actually plunged the depths of disgrace and sin and 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 and, and look at this right after he ran out of his cash he in fact uh, took up a job in a pigsty and and imagine for a jew anything to do with a pig is is what is that haram right whatever right it is it is it is uh, for, for a jew he wouldn't have anything to do with, with with pig and here he was living with the pig taking care of the pig and even longing for the food of the pig wow and thankfully while he was doing that realization comes into his mind right he thinks of his dad's home he thinks of the place that he left and ran away and and uh, and he begins to long for that place right and uh, he thinks that in his dad's home even the servants lead a better life than what he's doing here and 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 it says that i will i, I will get up go to my father and will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight right he begins to he he begins to feel remorseful and he begins to long for his dad's home and then he even prepares to go and tell his dad that you know please don't accept me as your son but please take me in as a servant because 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 his heart was full of guilt that he said you know i'm not worthy to really be your son but give me a place as a servant and i will slave it out for you now look at this dad right this is what i find interesting this dad must have gotten old uh, his heart would have certainly been heavy after his run after his son ran away from home and uh, possibly in the evenings he would put that chair outside and he would look on the horizon you know those days no sms phone calls letters nothing right he doesn't know anything what happened to his son and he must have been looking into the horizon as he was old his eyes must have been fuzzy those days no spectacles no cataract surgeries but he's sitting outside looking out and then he begins to see the form of something like a sun who is coming and then possibly his heart would have paced and as that figure approached he realized that this is a sun and what does it say it says that his dad ran to greet him now those of you who are aware of the middle eastern culture you know right men they can't run any any idea why this dasha right the kandura right so his dad must have just picked up the kandura tied it and with his old legs he would have dashed forward to meet his son and he goes and meets his son and just hugs him 
right? And, and kisses him. And then he calls for a party. He calls all the neighborhood. He calls the people. And then uh, what it says is, um, it, say, it says, you know, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Must have been his own robe, right? Showing him that he's finally home. He's his own son. He gives him his robe and puts a ring on his hand, which those days showed authority, and put sandals on his feet. The servants then did not wear sandals. He put sandals on his feet, indicating to everybody there that this is his son, not a servant. This is his son who is back home. And then, you know, all this party goes on. And then what happens? The older, older boy comes home. And then he hears the music and the party and the lights and everything. Those days there were no lights, by the way. But all this, all this, uh, all this, uh, all this the older boy listens to. And he's wondering, hey, what's going on here? And somebody says that his dad has, has, has hosted a party for your younger brother who, who ran away. And this guy is livid. He's mad with his dad because... According to him, he's been slaving it out for his dad. He's been doing everything that was possible. And dad never gave him a party. And then you find that uh, his dad going and pleading with him, saying that your brother has come. Uh, and uh, no, no, sorry. And he says, well, when this son, when this, uh, he, he tells his dad, when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, and the dad says, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother was dead, and now he's alive. You look at this, you look at this um, the, 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 the older guy, right? Sometimes we don't focus so much on him. But he felt that all that slaving that he was doing, all that work that he was doing for his dad, you know, and he deserved, he had a sense of entitlement, and he chooses to be outside the party when the party was going on. Ideally, this, young, this older brother, when his, uh, when his uh, younger brother came home and when the party was thrown, he actually should have been the host, right? He should have been the MC at the party. But he chooses to stand outside. So what, is, uh, what does this parable actually show, right? So like I said, Jesus was talking to two kinds of people. He was talking to the sinners and he was talking to the so-called saints. These were the two groups of people to whom Jesus was talking. So while the, the, the younger one, the prodigal, really indicated the sinner, which was very obvious, the other guy, the guy who was slaving it out and doing everything, showed, the, showed described the Pharisee. Because he was working it out. He was doing everything to please his dad. The fact is, both the sinner and the saint is lost, and they both need a savior, right? In our midst also, we'll have sinners and we'll have saints. But the fact is, while the younger one was lost through open rebellion, the older one was lost through his self-righteousness. So the fact is, they both are lost, right? Now, who is the, who's the rebellious one in our midst, right? The rebellious one could be in our midst people who have willfully decided to turn away from God. People who have decided that I don't want anything to do with God. You might have been brought up in a Christian home. You might have gone through Sunday school. You might even be coming to church, maybe to, to, to show somebody or to put on a facade. But the fact is, in your heart, you're away from God. 
in your secret life you're full of sin and you don't care about god you have rebelled and walked away saying that i have nothing to do with this god and the only reason why you might be putting on a facade of faith in christianity is because of some kind of pressure that you have and who's the other chap who's the self righteous one the self righteous now this is the group which is actually dangerous this is the group which actually will find it difficult to come home because this is the group who believes that they're doing everything right but yet they haven't repented yet they haven't given their life to christ these are the people who 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 might who might who, who might be doing everything that your faith or religion wants you to do right but yet genuinely within their heart they might have never repented they might either be assuming that all what they do is enough and 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 they might be believing that that is enough to give them that connection with god but the fact is they are also lost and these are the people who believe that you know i know the word somewhat i kind of go to church i kind of maybe i'm teaching in the sunday school i might be singing in the sunday school i might be doing a lot of things and they somewhere f- believe that all what they are doing you know they kind of s- feel a sense of entitlement yeah you know i'm you know i deserve this but you know what without genuine repentance in your heart all that work that you did would be not right both the sinner and the saint here needs christ the sinner in the sinner's case it is a little more easier because if you, if 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 you know what a real sinner is and if you genuinely feel that you're a sinner you obviously know that you're going to be judged right i want to tell you this uh, incident which uh, which uh, recently uh, uh, dima and i uh, we 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 met a girl uh, actually dima spoke to her and uh, and this girl comes from another religious background and uh, and uh, she had some 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 addictions which 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 were going on for quite some time and she used to feel miserable she used to feel very dirty about it right and this was going on for a while and i think she was a student when all that was going on and she comes from another faith altogether and one day uh, she happened to go to a church i don't know whether somebody invited her or she walked in i don't know about that and in the church the preacher was actually preaching about forgiveness and was actually preaching about having a clean uh, conscience and you know that really played in her mind she was like wow can i be forgiven with all the mess that i have been into can i be forgiven and you know what eventually she gives her life to christ today she is a very fine believer now the thing is that happened because she realized that she is a sinner she was not justifying herself she was not full of any kind of self righteousness she absolutely knew that she is a sinner right often times why do you think in the world when so much of gospel is preached when we share on the streets when we go to homes when we preach in the church why is it that majority of the world is going to hell because they believe that they have worked they have done a lot of things and they believe that they will go to heaven but the fact is they are sinners they are doomed they're going to destruction but whereas for a sinner for a worst of sinner 
when he realizes that he needs Christ and when he realizes that he is desperate and when he realizes that God is going to judge him, he gives his life to Christ. I was, um, I was watching a video about, uh, about, uh, uh, about, uh, about a service which was going on in a church in the UK. And this preacher said that uh, he was speaking about uh, how everybody should realize that they are sinners. And he was talking about how sometimes the worst of sinners come to know Christ, whereas the good citizens of a country sometimes go to hell. And uh, so one lady, an uh, aristocratic British lady who was sitting in the front, just kind of yelled, yeah, then we should all just be bad. You know, that's what she said. But sometimes it is true, right? For somebody who is bad and for somebody who knows that they are bad, it's easier to go to heaven than the self-righteous one, the good citizen who actually believes that he's leading a good life and he's going to go to heaven. It's tough. So folks, what I want you to remember is the saint and the sinners in our midst both need a savior and they both need repentance. And sometimes in our mind, you know, we have this grading of sin, right? We have the worst of uh, sinners, and then we have the guys who are not so bad. Like, for example, the recent instances that have happened in India, it has shocked so many of us, right? But the fact is, even some of them, when they repent, they actually find forgiveness in the hands of God, right? And you know what? In James, there's a verse which says that uh, uh, if you're guilty of one law, of breaking one law, you're guilty of breaking it all. So according to God, our, our common denominator is sin. So whether you're a small sinner, big sinner, you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell. And the fact is, you need a savior. You need to come home. What's the next point, right? For both the sinner and the saint, for them to come home, they need to truly repent. This portion is about repentance. They actually need to repent for both of them to come home. You know, in Luke 5, verse 32, he says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Because the righteous or the self-righteous will never think that they need repentance. But it's the sinner who needs repentance. And the prodigal son realized it, right? If you, if you, if you look at uh, verse, uh, verse 17, it says, And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. He truly realized what his home was. He truly realized what kind of a dad he had. And he truly realized that he's run away, he's estranged, and that he needs to get back home. Right? And he makes no justification. He's not at all saying that, you know, I was young, I uh, kind of got tempted, I ran away. You know, it was really not my fault. He doesn't say anything. He accepts the fact that he ran away from his dad. He accepts the fact that he put his, um, he, 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 that he made his dad look bad. He accepts the fact that he rebelled, he sinned. And he's not even feeling like going back and justifying himself. He says, please make me a servant in your house. I don't even want to be called your son. Right? That, is, that, that shows the heart of repentance. Have we, have we really repented? Uh, and have we really come to Christ? Right? Now, repentance is something which is, um, which is sometimes not genuinely understood. Right? We think uh, saying... Uh, Casual sorry is enough. But that's not, that's not what it is, right? 
Do we really feel miserable about what we have done? Do we really understand that we have broken a relationship? Do we really understand that we actually decide with all our heart and soul that we will not go back to that sin again? Do we really do that? Or it's like God is forgiving. That's not the point. Is there anyone here who hasn't genuinely repented and accepted Christ in your heart, right? One of the best uh, portions from where we can understand uh, repentance is, uh, is, can we just turn to that? It's, it's actually Psalm 51. When David actually repents after he's cr- confronted uh, about the adultery that, uh, that he had committed, right? I'm not going to uh, read through the entire psalm, but, but just a few verses. Psalm 51 and verse um, 2, it says that, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And it says, For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. David is not justifying. David did not say that, you know, I just had a weak moment when I was standing in the balcony. No weak moment. He understands that he actually sinned. And he says, wash me thoroughly. He knows that he's dirty within him. He knows that he's full of sin. He knows that God's wrath is upon him. And he pleads with God and says, wash me thoroughly. And then, uh, and then verse 7, it says, purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He believes that God can purify him. God can make him white as snow. And you know, he is so much broken inside after what Nathan said. That, uh, that verse 8 says that, Make me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. He's truly feeling broken. He's feeling absolutely disgusted with what has happened. He's, he's, his, he's downcast when he's confronted with sin. And he's pleading out to God saying, Lord, I'm sorry, just revive me. Bring that joy, bring that gladness back in my heart. This is, what, this is how a truly repentant sinner should pray and ask God. And, 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 and verse 9, he pleads with God and says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And then he says, create in me a clean heart, right? He knows, he knows that God would have been disgusted with what he did. And he's saying, create in me a clean heart. And then, um, yeah, verse 17, right? This is one of my favorite verses. It says that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. He really comes to God with a broken and contrite heart. Folks, have you all, um, I know this is within the church, but, but have... Have we all really repented and asked God for forgiveness? And do we really have a genuine relationship with God? Because, because it's very important that we are not going through the motions and we are not assuming that, 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 that we are all forgiven. Have we really, when we looked upon God's holiness, when we looked upon his righteousness, and when we've heard repeatedly about the fact that we are all sinners, conceived in sin, born in sin, and we are all on the way to, we are all on this highway to hell. And have we really realized that we need to truly repent and give our lives to Christ? If you look at all what we heard here this morning, right, it is all on this path. 
right from the time that uh, you know Bivin spoke about the overwhelming love of Christ and how Bivin spoke about the unconditional love he called it the reckless love right that love is waiting for us if we repent and go to him right Sujay spoke about the fact that there is no condemnation there is no condemnation and 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 as evil as we are as evil as we are when we repent god's holy spirit resides in us can you believe that as evil as we are that's the that's the level at which god restores us when we truly repent and emmanuel spoke about love which is uh, love which is without reason a love which is limitless and a love which is so great do we really believe that do we really believe that do you think that you need that love or do you think that you are entitled to it because of all what you do if you think so you're really mistaken in the light of god's word what you really need is repentance right and pisti spoke about how in the garden of getsemane you know he spoke about the love that really endured pain here is here is a father who chooses to love you and who chooses to make you his own but for that his son underwent that huge amount of agony in the garden of getsemane and on the cross of calvary because that's where all god's wrath and punishment was put upon god's holy son and that's where all his anger his fierce anger was exhausted just because he loved you just because he wanted you to get back home and just because he wants you to run into that father's embrace despite how much ever sinful you might have been right because like i said sin whether big or small you're all sinners the common denominator is you're all sinners but there's a heavenly father who's waiting for you to return home in repentance and raven spoke about cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree and our son our lord and savior jesus christ became that curse for us so let our self righteousness never kind of hold us back because because self righteousness and an unrepentant heart is what will store up god's wrath against us you know jesus told the rich man that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god look at that rich man he was actually full of self righteousness right he said tak 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 i have kept all these laws i am entitled to go to heaven but no he was going to hell let's mourn now i come to the last point when we truly repent right when we truly repent and go back to the father he waits for us and he welcomes us joyfully home just pictureize that uh, that heavenly father just pictureize that father who was sitting outside that home waiting for his son to come back right it didn't matter to him whether he whether whether he was stinking of pig it didn't matter to him whether he was eating the 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 pig's pods it didn't matter to him that he was sleeping in the pig's sty it didn't matter to him as long as he repented and and he came home he landed in his father's loving embrace it's, it doesn't really matter the depths to which you have fallen as long as you repent 
you know, there's, there's, there's the Heavenly Father's grand welcome that is waiting for you. In fact, that's what the first two stories. Now let's go to the first two stories uh, in Luke 15, right? What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, but I have found my sheep which was lost. And verse 7, very important. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The key word there is repentance, right? There could be 99 self-righteous people, but one person who repents, he comes home to a grand welcome. Just imagine, right? It says there will be more joy in heaven. Heaven kind of applauds when one sinner gets home. It's almost like the angels are standing there and just cheering up for that one sinner, for that one prodigal guy who's gotten home. What a heavenly father we have, right? What an incredible father that we have. One sinner, he could be the worst of the criminals, but when he repents, repentance is the key there, when he repents, heaven rejoices, heaven applauds when he gets home. And look at the next uh, story. Or what woman... If she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So imagine this, imagine this, uh, this lady, right? All, I mean, she's got 10 silver coins, very precious to her. And imagine that one coin uh, is lost. I remember in our office, uh, some, some girl lost her diamond ring or something, and from our uh, uh, operations team, there was this mail which came to the entire floor. Somebody finds a ring, please return it. And later, I think we got a mail saying, yeah, she found it. It's precious, right? It's precious. This, this lady would have swept the floor, would have put candles and she would have searched for it you know that's how that that was precious for her and then she finally finds it and she's filled with joy and then it ends with saying there is joy in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner who repents heaven will be joyful when a sinner repents this is some this is actually something which which i don't think any other faith can get it but the fact is that When you repent and get home, God and his angels and everybody stands there to give you that grand welcome and and you run into the Heavenly Father's arms. So, so my dear folks, uh, what do you think, right? Which, you might be a saint, you might be a sinner, but you need Christ. There's no, otherwise, all that we do in the church is actually in a way meaningless, if you haven't genuinely, if you genuinely haven't put that relationship right with your heavenly Father, right? You getting, you you participating in the Lord's table, you being baptized, you coming for cell group meetings, you even going out for outreach. Nothing, nothing, nothing is going to save you. What is essentially going to save you is true repentance, knowing that you're a sinner, 
and giving your heart to Christ. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 says that God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. That's God's desire that everybody everywhere should repent. Let's look at uh, Psalm 103. Psalm 103 verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgression from us. Romans 8, we already read here today. Let's also look at, um, um, I think it is John 5. Yeah, John 5, 24. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. So that's what the gospel is. That's what Heavenly Father's love is. He wants you to repent and he wants you to get home, right? And like I said, heaven applauds, God applauds. Don't be like that older guy who chose to stay out of the party and thinking that uh, his self-righteousness would save him. If you actually look at it, uh, the, the only, not person, the only being who should have been unhappy with the prodigal son returning home was, you know who? Was the fattened calf, Right? <laughs> Rest everybody should have been happy. So, so I would really request you to think about uh, what we just heard. You know, I didn't even know the meaning of the word prodigal. I actually thought the word prodigal means someone who went astray. But the fact is, prodigal actually means somebody who's a spendthrift and who's, who, who's lived an extravagant life. That's what sometimes familiarity can do to us, right? Because the story is so familiar, we actually don't realize its meaning. So, 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 so as we, as we, as we uh, look forward to the rest of the day, please do think about it. Please do check your own relationship. Please do find out um, uh, whether you, whether if you haven't really repented and given your life to Christ. Please find out if you need to set your life right and come home. Come home. The Heavenly Father's loving embrace is there for you, despite whatever, whatever be your state. May his name be glorified. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this time. We want to thank you for your word, which is so powerful, Lord. We want to thank you that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us, despite our sinful state, Lord. We want to thank you for a Heavenly Father who loves us and who has given his son, to die on the cross for us, Lord. Lord, when the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, Lord, and we know that whoever is totally unconditional, Lord, despite the magnitude or, or multitude of our sins, we know that, that your son's death has atoned for all our sins, Lord. And we know that you have granted us faith as well, Lord. Lord, we pray that if there's anybody sitting here who does not have a genuine relationship with you, we pray that that brother or that sister would surrender their life to you, Father. So, Father, once again, we commit 
these words into your hands. We pray that it would continue to work in the hearts and minds of people, Lord. We want to thank you once again. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.